are listening to Casual Wednesdays with Doom Rocket, your one-stop shop for comics, talk, and such. I'm Jared Jones. And I am MJ Kramer. This week, things are about to go bananas, people. MJ and I have had our coffee, and we are ready and raring to finally knock out these September 2021 comic book solicitations. That's right, students. Grab those pens and no pads. We have our recommendations for all the crazy good comics coming down the pike this fall. Who's taking over Amazing Spider-Man? You probably already know, but the answers are still inside this episode. Nevertheless, is Image collecting all of Luther's Strode, MJ? You bet your sweet bippy. Mine? And what in the Kentucky Fried Hell is a chicken devil? We've got some of your Cluck and Aftershock solicits right here. All this plus our brand new Marvel Epic Collection solicits segment, which is really more for MJ and I than it is for you. Completely. Face it, you princes of Maine, you kings of New England, you just hit the casual Wednesdays. Hello, MJ. Hi, Jared. Let's try this again. Yes, let's. This time with feeling. Mm -hmm. We lost a microphone last week, everybody. We were really sorry, but technical difficulties kept casual Wednesdays from your ear holes. But we are back in your ear holes with a brand new microphone and a brand new episode of Casual Wednesdays. Yeah. It sucks because we actually did the solicits all the way through last week. We did. And then when I was listening to the audio, I was like, wow, this sounds terrible. Did my microphone go kablooey? Because I didn't really do a sturdy sound check. Always do a sound check, podcasting people. <laughs> you never know what you've lost. So anyway, we're back. And I think I've heard that intro like eight times now? well i've had to say it at least eight <laughs> times and i wrote it when i was drunk so you know hemingway used to say write drunk edit sober but i never did the editing part well there you go so what, that was the sweet bippy what in the kentucky fried hell is a chicken devil i thought it was inspired but it was just kind of annoying when i had to read it out loud <laughs> well all the eight different times yeah it's fine it's fine so mj here we are september 2021 solicitations now this isn't going to be the full solicits that we originally had we just don't have the time to do it this week but it, it could do with some trimming down it's it's still the essential stuff the stuff that we really really think everybody should hear about that's right plus we wanted to make some extra space for our all new epic collection solicits segment which, I don't, I don't know if we need it. I guess we'll see how the reception is. We can talk about the ones we're going to get and the ones we're not going to get. <laughs> which is not many, but it's worth discussing. Anyway, hello everyone. I wanted to get through some Lighthouse Clean before we got started this week, MJ. Of course. Okay, so everyone, we are still on the lookout for new listener questions. We've been getting a lot of new ones. It's really exciting to hear from new listeners. But we always need more. We always need more. <laughs> we go through them quickly. So if you've got questions, if you're curious about anything at all, like, oh, I don't know, what are our opinions on Goose from Saga? What about Goose from Captain Marvel? What about Goose from Captain Marvel, MJ? <laughs> well, anything like that. You get the gist. If you've got questions for us, send them our way. Info at DoomRocket.com. Cashwise Podcast on Twitter. And while you're on Twitter, do us a favor and give us a like. We don't get many likes. No? No, it's uh, quite dispiriting, I don't mind saying. <laughs> you know, the quickest way to stare into the void is to go onto social media. You truly find out things about yourself on those things, don't you? Yeah, and it's always very void-like. Yeah. Especially Twitter. Twitter's very void-like. Absolutely it is. But anyway, go to Twitter anyway. <laughs> Give us a follow. Leave us a question in the DMs or tweet it at us. I don't care. I'm not picky. And we may read it on this podcast. We probably will. Also, if you haven't already, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Five stars, uh, three stars, anything in between, anything below, that's a jerk move. Yeah. It's a jerk move because we're not that bad of a podcast. We're not that good. Eh, we're, we're okay. Pretty good. We're not great. 
Well, we fixed that mic up, so I think it'll be a little bit better now. <laughs> that's Yes, that's a start. <laughs> a new mic. Leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, why don't you? It helps out the podcast quite a bit. Say something nice and or constructive. It helps us out so much. Can't even tell you. Yada, yada, yada. I say this every week. Mm-hmm. I'm really tired of it. Just leave us reviews. <laughs> anyway, that's all I've got, MJ. So here we are. Solicits. Solicits. I'm a little discombobulated this week because we're literally doing this twice. Uh-huh trying not to repeat myself from a week ago it's weird that i can remember what i said a week ago yeah isn't it yeah i i can't remember i can't remember what i said 20 minutes ago oh no <laughs> but before we get into it mj how's your week pretty big week in terms of comic books very big week what was the biggest title that gmar ordered this week probably the new x-men book that's right x-men number one but aggravatingly there are two asm issues this week issue number 70 and the annual that is so annoying and ASM is one of the highest subscribed titles that we have. I mean, that anyone has probably. Yeah, yeah. It's a big gauntlet we got to get through this week. Yeah. Plus, oh, yes, Cooper. Yeah. Cooper's not stoked about all this amazing Spider-Man. But also, uh, Batman came out this week. Justice League came out this week. There's a lot of stuff. I'm just saying, if you're going to release the book and the annual of the book on the same week, you messed up somewhere. Yeah. And why would you punish retailers that way? Well, because the annual is traditionally supposed to be on, like, you the extra- annual? I? I think you did. I think you did. Well, that's how I'm going to say it forevermore. I don't annual. mean to interrupt. What were you saying? <laughs> the annual is supposed to come out on like, you know, usually what's usually a skip week, like a fifth Wednesday or something that's what like they're that. they're for. Yeah. Yeah. Not supposed to be just thrown out willy nilly on the same week as a regular issue. You know, I'm not saying publishers aren't busy people. I'm not saying that at all. But they sure do treat people who ship comics and people who sell comics like a bunch of dirt sometimes. That's all I'm going to yeah. say. That's all I'm going to say about it. So, MJ, all that grousing aside, are you ready to get into the September 2021 solicitations? Well, if I'm not, I better get ready, You huh? better get ready. That's <laughs> right. Are we not going to acknowledge my awesome Cider House rules reference from the intro? See, I didn't realize that's what it was from until I asked you what that's it was right. from. So It's Michael Caine. He won an Oscar for that line. Michael Caine. You princes of mine. You kings of New England. It's Michael Caine and... Toby the size Maguire? of a tangerine. <laughs> That's not from that. <laughs> she was 18 years old. Master Wayne. Oh, wait, that's not what I meant to say. Are you going to do the rest of the podcast in your Michael Caine voice? I will not. Why not? Well, because MJ, come on. What are you doing? <laughs> what are you doing? All right, so let's get into it. September 2021 solicitations. Are you ready to go? I would be ready if you were doing the Michael Caine voice, I'm but sorry. I guess I'll have to just I'm deal with sorry. it. I'm sorry. So you kids know the drill by now. Grab a pen and a piece of paper. We're about to drop a whole bunch of recommendations on you concerning our favorite comics that we want to read. We are excited to read, and we are excited for you to read. And remember, you can order these at your local comic book shop up until the end of this month, which is July. That's correct. So, MJ, let's hop in. We typically begin with Image Comics. Yes, we do. All right, so I see no reason why we should change that right now, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. even though the first solicit we're about to talk about is giving me a bit of a migraine. Yeah. Let's talk about Copra for a second here, MJ. What the hell is a July release doing in September solicits? One, two, why is Copra here? I thought Michelle Fife took the book off of Image so he could self-publish. What is going on here? He did do that, and this is a July solicit. This was in images online solicitations and this is actually a solicitation for the digital 
version of Copra number 40 via Comixology. That makes sense because Image will continue to publish the trade collections of Copra going mm -hmm. forward. That's right, Cooper. <laughs> Cooper loves Copra. But yeah, I think we talked about this last year that Michelle Fife had solicited through Image the Ochizan saga, which was the continuation of Copra in a new miniseries. But that got canceled due to pandemic awfulness, like so many things did. That's right. So he decided to publish it himself. He's been selling it via his own Etsy. And he's gotten up to issue 40 right now because he went back to legacy numbering, which is pretty cool. Image, don't confuse us like that. What are you doing? <laughs> but anytime we see New Copra by Michelle Fife, we are always really excited. So that's why we I are. wanted to talk about it. That's exactly why. If you're looking for new hard copies of the new Copra, you're going to have to hit up Michelle Fife himself for those issues. But if you're looking to download it digitally to each their own, hit up Image or Comixology for the, uh, for the privilege. Mm -hmm. And if you just want to wait for the trade to come out, I'm sure they'll be soliciting that within the next couple months. Of that, I have no doubt. So now with that out of the way, MJ, let's move on to a new debut from Image Comics mm -hmm. in September. We have here Primordial Number 1. This is the first issue of a six-issue miniseries, which reunites Jeff Lemire with Andrea Sorrentino. My faves from Gideon Falls. That's right. MJ, would you mind taking the solicitous text for this new debut? Yes. Quote, mind-bending sci-fi collides with Cold War thriller in this six-issue miniseries by the best-selling and Eisner-winning creative team behind Gideon Falls. In 1957, the USSR launched the dog Laika into Earth's orbit. Two years later, the USA responded with two monkeys, Abel and Baker. These animals never returned. But unbeknownst to everyone, they did not die in orbit. They were taken. And now they are coming home. End quote. Cooper does not like the sound of all this animal harm. I know. <laughs> he's like, I don't want to go in space. Don't put me in space. Oh, he's going apeshit. <laughs> we may have to pause. Anyway, um, Primordial number one drops September 15th. That's a 32-page debut at $3.99. Very excited for that. Also from Image in September, we have Frontiersman number one, mm -hmm. which pairs writer Patrick Kinlan, a writer that I hold in high esteem. I know. I enjoy his work quite a bit with the artist Marco Ferrari. We've got a new debut dropping September 22nd. I'm going to take the solicitor's text here if you do not mind. Please feel free, Jared. Quote, patience, conviction, revenge. <laughs> Patrick Kindlin and Marco Ferrari return with an all-new ongoing series. I think that was a reference to their former yeah, yeah, series yeah. that mm -hmm. they did together for Aftershock. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know it. Everybody gets it. Classic Green Arrow-style adventure blends with the thoughtfulness of concrete and a superhero odyssey for mature but uncynical readers. <laughs> Tough to come by these days, MJ. Yeah. Frontiersman is coaxed out of retirement by an environmentalist group, only to find that being a spokesperson makes him a target for old and new enemies alike for the superhero reader looking for more. End wow. quote. That's right. Frontiersman number one is a 32-page debut at $3.99. Again, that date, September 22nd. I'm excited to check that out. Anything Kinlan drops, I pick up, is what I'm trying to say to you. All right. The listener, but also to you, MJ. <laughs> so, MJ, are there any trades, hardcovers, or graphic novels coming out in September from Image? Yes. That you want to talk about? Yes. Oh, oh boy. What do we got? First of all, a graphic novel of a series that I have come to really, really love, even though this is only the third installment of it. You've read all of these so far, and I haven't read one of them yet. That's so funny. That's weird considering the subject matter, but go ahead. And I read them like the day they come out, like as soon as we get them. I mean, I, I would too, but you're reading them, and by the time you're done reading them, I'm on to something else, and it's bedtime, and then the next day rolls around, and it just gets shuffled away. Well, if you wanted to read them, you would. I we think. are burying the lead here, MJ. Destroy All Monsters, a reckless book hardcover, is coming out on October. 
October 13th. The Reckless series, of course, teams Ed Brubaker with Sean Phillips and Jacob Phillips, I believe, who does the coloring on the Mm -hmm. books. This is something different for the criminal team. Instead of indulging the criminals of the sordid worlds they create, they're indulging the Mm anti-heroes, which is kind of a step up or a step over. It's a lateral move, isn't it? it's, it's a step. <laughs> well, for those of you who don't know, solicits text, go, quote, it's 1988 and Ethan Reckless has been hired for a strangest case yet. Finding the secrets of a Los Angeles real estate mogul. How hard could that be, right? But what starts as a deep dive into the life of a stranger will soon take a deadly turn and Ethan will risk everything that still matters to him. End quote. I feel like there should be more there. I think it is precise and to the point. As Brew Baker and Phillips stuff often are. Mm-hmm. You can count on Destroy All Monsters, a reckless book to come out October 13th. That is an advanced solicit. Take note. 144 pages at $24.99. Sidebar. Destroy All Monsters, a Detroit garage band. Probably a purposeful reference. Perhaps, but Destroy All Monsters, the band, named themselves after Destroy All Monsters, the movie. Then maybe it's a reference to one or the other or both. If it's both, then I'm going to give both Brew Baker and Phillips like a $50 bill each. Really? Because that is, that would be very succinct. <laughs> and I'm from Michigan, so yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah, no. Also from Image in September, we have a trade collection that I'm very much looking forward to owning, The Good Asian Volume 1. I am presently writing about The Good Asian for a hot press item right now that I can't spoil here. But this team's porn sack Pishishote, who is responsible for Infidel, one of our favorite horror Mm -hmm. stories of the last 10 years, with the artist Alexandra Tefentke and colorist Lee Luffridge. That is a 128-page collection at $14.99, drops September 22nd. It's too bad this is $14.99 for only four issues, because this could have been a good volume one at 10 bucks. It could have been, but it is up to the creators to charge whatever they want to charge. And also, we don't know if there's going to be a second season or a second volume of The Good Asian, despite the fact that it says volume one right there. That's true. It could be a contained story, and therefore they need to maximize their uh, profit margin there. Yeah, and sometimes that $10 price tag can almost be kind of a loss. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Like that introductory pricing, you know? Mm-hmm. Next up, we have Luther Strode, the complete series trade paperback. I am so excited about this. Mamma mia, that is 544 pages at $29.99. Pinch me, I'm dreaming. It is a super deal for such a good series. This collects the entirety of Luther Strode. Not just the strange talent of Luther Strode, but the legend of Luther Strode and the legacy of Luther Strode. You can watch Treadmore evolve as a penciler in real time by reading this series. Yeah, this was the first series that really brought him to prominence. Like, everybody's first introduction to the amazing of his art and also a lot of people's first introduction to justin jordan as well absolutely absolutely right this is an october 20th solicit listener so make note of that mj is there any other collections or trades or what have you from image coming in september one more another one that i am crazy crazy hyped on uh we've got ultra mega by james heroin volume one trade paperback this was a series that has just been coming out in big prestige format thick spined comics this collects all four of those issues, 200 pages for 20 bucks. That is a deal. Yeah. And it's so much fun. This is James Heron with Dave Stewart coloring nonetheless. Of course. Just drawing the most insane kaiju gore violence that you will ever see. There's a lot of havoc in these pages. It's worth owning. It's a lot of slimy monsters. Just the, everything that James Heron is great at drawing, he throws it in here because he's writing it too. Moving over quickly to Dark Horse Comics in September, we have Maze Book, issue number one of five. We already reported on Maze Book on Casual Wednesdays. We did. You can look that up. I think that was one episode ago. <laughs> one or two. Yeah, it wasn't too far back. We got into the details of Maze Book. This, of course, is a new debut written and drawn by one Jeff Lemire. Mm-hmm. 
This is a 48-page debut at $5.99. That's a little pricey for a debut. But worth it for that page count, I think. And Jeff Lemire. Mm -hmm. It's nice to see him drawing again. That makes me happy. I'm really glad that he's both writing and drawing this one, because a lot of my favorite things that he's done are when he's both writing and drawing. Like Royal City, which isn't necessarily fun. And I don't think this one's going to be fun quotations either, but still good. Well, that's how most of his stuff is, but they're always very affecting. They're always just really well-written, like yeah. Trillium or like Sweet Tooth. So let's move on to DC Comics in September really quick. We've got a host of new debuts here. I guess we'll begin with I Am Batman number one, which teams John Ridley with Olivier Coipel. I guess that's the A-list right there. Oh, 100%. Getting to see Olivier Coipel interiors is a treat we don't get very often anymore. It doesn't anymore. happen very much at all, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. Hmm. 32-page debut at $3.99. This drops September 14th. Do you want to do solicitous text MJ? Sure. Quote, In the throes of future state, the streets of Gotham City cry for justice and Jace Fox answers the call. With a new and approved bat suit, Jace hits the streets to inspire and protect. As he follows the trail of the voice of misinformation and violence, the anarchistic anti-oracle. Mm. Can the new Dark Knight counterbalance their plan to inspire armed rebellion in the citizens of Gotham? Can one man inspire a city? End quote. And as it mentions in that solicit text, this is, of course, a future state tie-in. That's an interesting wrinkle in the DC solicits this month, because not only do we have a Jace Fox Batman title, we also have a Jackson Hyde Aquaman book starting, and of course we have the Yara Floor Wonder Girl book. So it feels more and more like that Generations thing that Dan DiDio was trying to do was going to catapult these characters into the forefront of the DC universe, and instead they're trying to have their cake and eat it too. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's fine to have kind of both going on at the same time. I just hope they don't confuse or blur the future state slash present continuity because it's already confusing enough as it is. Yeah, yeah. But I digress. Future state's not the only thing that's going to happen in September for DC. We also have a new bat event going through all the bat titles in September. It's called Fear State. Future state, fear state. I'm not going to mess that up. I almost said fear street. <laughs> so MJ, what are the details on fear state in September? Well, like you mentioned, it's going through all of the bat books. That includes two issues of Batman in September, issues 112 and 113, both of which are for $4.99. Both illustrated by Jorge Jimenez, it should be noted. Batman Secret Files Miracle Molly, which is $4.99 as well. We also have Catwoman number 35, Nightwing number 84, Detective Comics number 1043, and Harley Quinn number 7. Now, how much will Fear State cost readers if they decide to get all the books in September? Well, the September books are going to total up to $31.93. If you add that to August's Fear State books. All the prelude to Fear State books. Mm -hmm, yeah, yeah, all that stuff. Uh, then that's going to add up to $48.89 for the two months worth. That's not so bad. We know how bad this can get. Yeah. Yeah. And we do have another month's worth of that's this true. Of this event. So that's it might still be coming. true. Also from DC in September, we have Batman 89, number two of six. We don't typically talk about second issues of books in our solicits, but Batman 89 is a book that I am so excited to check out. I don't have issue number one here yet, so I'm trying to exercise some demons, MJ. Oh. Is that okay? I, it's fine. Also, this is the passion project of one Joe Quinones, so you know he's going to bring it. He's teaming up with Sam Hamm, the screenwriter of the Batman movie. Mm -hmm. That's insanity. And he's been posting some really great work in progress shots on his Instagram and Twitter. If you don't follow Joe on Instagram and Twitter, you're messing up. You're missing out on some really great Batman related art that is in shops September 14th at $3.99. Next up, we have another series starting. This one's a six issue mini Aquaman The Becoming, number one. Now, this is written by Brandon Thomas, a writer we really love who wrote that 
Future State Aquaman book. It was so good. Yeah. And this is pencils by Diego Orlategui with inks by Wade Von Grapp Badger. Should look good. Yeah. And that comes out on September 21st at $3.99. All right. Also, we have Harley Quinn, the animated series. That's the R-rated animated series, Mm -hmm. mind you, from HBO Max. The Eat Bang Kill Tour number one (laughs) teams T. Franklin with Max Saren. I never thought I would see the day that Max Saren would ever work on a DC film. Yeah, I know. It's awesome. But here we are. I'm really excited. Max Saren, of course, being the illustrious illustrator. Is that... No, that works. Is that too much hyperbole? (laughs) It works. Okay. The awesome artist who worked on Giant Days... Max Aaron is great. We have sung their praises many times on this podcast, and now they're doing a Harley Quinn book. Will and, wonders ever cease? And this is, as it specifies, 17 plus. But not a black label book. Yes, but 17 plus, you know, to go with the animated series maturity level. They like to talk about Batman going down on Catwoman, apparently. Or not. If only the censors would let them. <laughs> but this one comes out September 14th, a 32-page debut number one of six. That's right. So, MJ, do we have any hardcovers, trades, or graphic novels coming out from D.C. in the month of September? We do. All right. And they are advanced solicits. All of them? Yes. All right. Take note, people. First, we've got Far Sector coming out. This is a whole series, issues 1 through 12, written by N.K. Jemison with art by Jamal Campbell. 336 pages at $29.99. This, too, is 17+, plus, but it's not a black label. No, no, no. This is the last of the Young Animal line. It's funny, they don't say on here that it is Young Animal, but it is. It is. It is. This drops October 19th. I'm really excited that they're putting out the whole series all together in one book. Yeah, because they could have split it up. They could have. They could have put it out like volume one being issues one through six. This is how you get Far Sector to become the next, oh, I don't know, Death of Superman, Dark Knight Returns. Maybe not of that caliber in terms of sales, but definitely a perennial seller that DC can put out whenever they want. And this makes it very easy for N.K. Jemisin's very large sway the fans from her sci-fi fantasy novels to be able to be like, oh, hey, this is the one thing I need to buy to read her comic. I'm good to go. And they can, you know. Read the book. Yes. Provided that they don't read floppy issues. Yeah, but I think most novel readers, most prose novel readers, are probably going to opt for the graphic novel. Yeah. Because it's just easier because, you know, they're going to the bookstore anyway to check and see if there's a new N.K. Jemisin book out. They happen to see her new graphic novel, which this technically is. <laughs> Why would I read a story in installments? That's so lowbrow. Well, it's just I'm easier. just doing impressions yeah. of prose readers. You I, know. I respect people who trade weights. It is easier to buy them just at the bookstore. You get your whole volume. It's ready to go and read. So it is. Now you want to talk about a long sit in a trade <laughs> collection. We've got the Milestone <laughs> Compendium, Volume 1. Oh my God, this is so insane. I can't believe they're actually reprinting all of this stuff. All the Milestone stuff from the 90s, practically impossible to get. Yeah. The single issues are prohibitively expensive if you can find them. And there are next to no trade collections of any of these books, which is wild when you consider some of these characters static. Good Lord. So anyway, this is 1,320 pages priced at 60 bucks. This drops October 26th. I'm getting it, even though I've got a lot of the issues here. Well, like I said, it's good to have it all in one big volume. See, I'm starting to get these pros people. Mm-hmm. It's starting to make sense to me. This collects the first 12 issues of Blood Syndicate and Hardware. Icon issues 1 through 10, Static issues 1 through 8, Zombie, that's with an X, by the way, issues 0 through 11, and Shadow Cabinet number 0, including arcs never before collected. I just said that, DC solicits. Mm -hmm. And since this is titled Milestone Compendium 1, one can only assume they're going to be doing 
additional compendiums in the future. Well, there were plenty of more issues of Icon and plenty more issues of Static, and, you know, there's a lot more that they can pull from. Do you think they're going to put out separate reprint volumes of those series, like as just the single series instead of a big old $60 uh, book? I hope so. I would buy a hardware hardcover like that. Hardware hardcover? Yes, I would buy an Icon hardcover like that. We also have in September The Inferior 5. Now, why would they reprint Inferior 5, a book they barely got Jeff Lemire to finish in the first place, MJ? Well, I think it's because there is a little character in that book called Peacemaker. Ah, that's right. And there's a little movie called The Suicide Squad coming out this summer. And another little TV show starring that character as well. Indeed, indeed. So Keith Giffen and Jeff Lemire teamed up with Scott Koblish and Scott Collins to do an Inferior 5 story a couple years back at DC. But this thing was a long and winding road. Holy cow. <laughs> it was originally solicited in 2019 as a 12-issue series. That's right. Assumedly, sales weren't what they wanted them to be because then it got trimmed down to a six-issue mini. Yep. But then... Issues five and six got delayed, pandemic related, yeah. and just never resolicited. So are these the first time we're ever going to see issues five and six of the Inferior Five? They came out digitally, like like they snuck yeah, them in. They snuck them in. Very little fanfare, but now <laughs> anybody who wants to read a paper copy, you'll have to ignore the fact if you already have issues one through four. And it's fine. Buy the trade for five and six. <laughs> 152 pages at sixteen ninety five. You can buy this baby October twelfth. So, MJ, I think it's safe to say that it's time for the Marvel solicits? Yes. All right. These tend to be the longest ones of the bunch. Why do you suppose that is? Because Marvel puts out a lot of stuff. They sure do. They I was reading an interview just the other day about one of the publishers of Marvel. I forget his name. Mm -hmm. But he was talking about the paper quality of the covers. And oh, he, no. He said he took umbrage that people said it was low quality. He says it's perfectly fine quality. We put our money towards the talent, not the production. And I was like, yeah, we can tell. We can tell. This was an interview from like 2015, by the way. But like when you have the cover stock be the same paper as the interior paper stock, those readers, like they're not going to be able to enjoy the product that these high paid people are making because they're going to be damaged by the time they get to the comic shops. He also said that the damages are negligible. They're not. Yeah. The receiving damages that retailers have and report, he said that they were negligible, that they can continue this practice. Oh, I was pissed when I read this thing. And this is like a seven year old interview. I'm so mad. I wonder they're, who they're this still was. doing the same shit. Mm. So anyway, to begin with Marvel on that note, we've got <laughs> Dark Ages number one of six. This is the new event that Marvel's putting out, although this is not the first time we've heard about Dark Ages. Oh, no. This was originally solicited when? I don't know when it was originally solicited for, but we first got like our sneak peek of it last free comic book day. Oh, that's right. Which was bumped back, obviously, from May. Because of COVID. Mm hmm well, this is Tom Taylor's brand new injustice e kind of Marvel Universe story because yeah. it's outside of continuity. Do you want to do the bullet points synopsis here? I don't know why it's in bullet points. You don't like these bullet points. Well, if it's bullet points, you have to say bullet before every sentence. I mean, you don't. You just pretend like they're not there. This is actually a paragraph if you look at it well, in a certain then, well, way. Well, then why don't you read it and say bullet every time? All right. <laughs> so from Tom Taylor and Ivan Coelho, we have solicits text go quote. This is what the Watcher's been watching for. Oh, this is what he's been watching for. This. Mm -hmm. This right here? Okay, mm -hmm. we'll see. Point. A danger older than the Earth threatens everything. For once, the heroes who have saved the planet so many times are almost powerless in the face of it. Point. X-Men and Avengers assemble. Spider-People and Fantastic Four come together. Heroes for hire fight alongside champions. Point. None of it will be enough. Point. The lights are about to go out. Point. The world outside our window. Ellipsis is about to end. Point! 
a whole new saga of the Marvel Universe as you've never seen it before from Tom Taylor and Ivan Coelho, end quote. See, the funny thing is, is when you were saying point, you were pointing at me each And you time. were pointing right back at me. So you, <laughs> you gave as good as you got, funny. MJ. This is a 40-page <laughs> debut at four ninety nine. Drops September 1st. I'm totally going to read this because I love Tom Taylor and I think he's great. He is great. And I get some like final night vibes from that solicited text. We also have from Jonathan Hickman what seems like is going to be the culmination of all his X-Men stuff. It does say the culmination of Jonathan Hickman's X-Men begins here. Well, I did pull that from the solicits, <laughs> but we didn't need to mention that. Anyway, we have Inferno number one of four, which teams Jonathan Hickman with Valerio Schiti with covers by Jerome Opinia. I'll take solicits text again unless you want to do it. I'll do it. Oh, you go for it. Yeah. Quote, there will be an island, not the first, but the last. Promises were made and broken. The rulers of Krakoa have been playing a dangerous game with a dangerous woman, and they are about to see how badly that can burn them. Mastermind of the X-Men. Not, not, not really. Not <laughs> mastermind. Mastermind of the X-Men, yeah. Jonathan Hickman. Okay. Brings his plans That's to really a head. confusing because Mastermind's an X-Men villain. Yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Brings his plans to a head, joined by an incredible lineup of artists, beginning with Valerio Schiti, as one woman follows through on her promise to burn the nation of Krakoa to the ground, end quote. You know what's funny is that the Dark Ages solicits text actually sounded like something Hickman would write with the bullet points Almost. and all that stuff. Yeah, and the, and the vagaries. Mm -hmm. So we got 56 <laughs> pages for Inferno number one. This drops at $6.00. This is pretty normal for the Hickman intro issues as of as of so far. The man likes to write. And we get, you know, really big, fat, expensive issues from him. It's true. I would say maybe expect all of the issues of this mini to be that big. Could be. Yeah. I guess we'll find out in October when we do the solicits yet again. Mm -hmm. This drops September 29th. All right, MJ. As previously reported here on Casual Wednesdays, Amazing Spider-Man number 74 drops September 22nd. This is the last issue in the Nick Spencer, the vaunted Nick Spencer Spider-Man run. Mm -hmm. This team's Spencer with Patrick Gleason, Mark Bagley, and Marcelo Ferreira, but no Ryan Otley to be found in the solicits text. Maybe he'll pop up in the book by surprise? That would be nice. But, I mean, they probably have him working really hard on that new Hulk series. They're really laying into all the events that they launched through the Spider-Man line over the years. Mm -hmm. It's all led to this. Hunted. Sins Rising. Last Remains. King's Ransom. Okay, you can stop, Marvel. You can stop. Yeah, well, for those three years that he was writing it, he wrote, like, way more than three years worth of Spider-Man. <laughs> Too event-heavy, that run, I think. I, I would agree with you there. Yeah, with all the tie-in issues and whatnot. Mm -hmm. But he got his over 100 issues, MJ, and you can't fault him for that. No, that's true. It's true. This is a 96-page finale at 10 bucks. Drops September 22nd, and then next month we'll talk about the all-new Spider-Line. Well, in the intro, we said we were going to talk about who's writing the new Spider-Man. Oh, yeah, I guess we need to talk about that. <laughs> I kind of called it, by the way. You did. I said that Pat Gleason should stay on because he barely got started with the line, and I thought Kelly Thompson would be a more-than-suitable replacement for Nick Spencer, and I was right on both counts because Pat Gleason is also co-writing. But they're both going to be in amongst a crowd. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> so lay that out for us, MJ. What does that mean? We've got an entire team here. We've got Zeb Wells, Kelly Thompson, Saladin Ahmed, Cody Ziegler, and Patrick Gleason announced. Now, I'm familiar with almost all those names, save for Cody Ziegler. That sounds like a wrestler's name. You're thinking Adolf Ziegler. Am I? <laughs> yeah. I don't know wrestling. <laughs> Just the name Ziggler stood out to me. But really, who's Cody Ziggler? Uh, they've worked on Rick and Morty and uh, Robot Chicken and the new She-Hulk show that's coming up. Uh, it's as I feared then. They did bring in a ringer for their new Spider-Man line. A that's, TV writer at that. That's okay. Is it? 
Yes. Is it? Yes, it is. Come all on. All right, all right. So here we go. Amazing Spider-Man 75 information will drop with the October solicits. We'll have more for you then. The only other thing we know about it is that it's coming out three times a month. That's true. In the meantime, let's carry on with September solicits. We've got Kazar, Lord of the Savage Land, number one of five. This team, Zach Thompson with Herman Garcia with covers by Jesus Saiz. This is going to be a gorgeous looking book. Mm-hmm. Kind of a fan of Kazar from way back, yeah. or at least from Mark Wade and Andy Kubert's run. Okay. It's really good stuff. You should read it. So we've got Solicit's text here. I'm going to take it if you don't mind. Go right ahead. So for those of you who don't know, Solicit's text, go. Quote, the alien Kotati murdered him. The Savage Land brought him back. The Lord Plunder has returned with a vastly new perspective. Now united with Shanna the She-Devil and a mystical merging of life energies, Kazar has new abilities, new needs, new needs, <laughs> and new enemies. An ancient evil has surfaced in the Savage Land, one that is rapidly reshaping the forgotten world and its inhabitants. Kazar and Shanna must fight together to protect their home and family, but their son Matthew has plans of his own. Don't miss the spectacular adventure through the lost lands of Zach Thompson and Herman Garcia. End quote. That's a 32-page debut at $3.99. Drops September 8th. I hope Marvel lets Zach get a little weird. Because he writes really good, icky stuff. Yeah? Like really creepy stuff. Like Lonely Receiver from last year. One of the best oh, comics that came yeah, out. Courtesy of Aftershock. That's right. He gets, he gets funky with his writing. And I hope that he gets a chance to do some of that with Kazar. I mean, I say that because he says Kazar has new needs. Mm-hmm. What does he need now? I don't think they can get too wild with it. It's only teen plus. Does Kazar go down on Shanna or what? <laughs> it's not what heroes do, Jared. Hashtag controversy. <laughs> Moving on, MJ. What's next for Marvel in September? I am very excited for this. The Darkhold Alpha number one is finally coming out. This was originally solicited over a year ago. That's right. April of last year to come out in June of 2020. This was a series of one shots about the Darkhold. Supposedly to tie in with WandaVision. I think they wanted to have it out as a trade paperback before WandaVision had come out. Yeah, whoops. Well, if scheduling had gone correctly, it would have worked out fine. Steve Orlando did his part. <laughs> he did. So this is the first one shot in that little series called The Darkhold Alpha. And this is going to involve Doctor Doom and the Scarlet Witch and the uh, scary tome that is called The Darkhold. R.I.P. Scarlet Witch. Well, isn't that a kind of a spoiler? No, the book's been out. I guess it's been a week now. Yeah. Yeah. R.I.P. If you don't read X-Men, what were you going to wait to read the whole line before you got caught up to the death of Scarlet Witch? When is spoilers appropriate? I ask you. On a weekly podcast. I guess. I guess. I we don't waited know. two weeks, I think, technically. One week. Okay. One week. Maybe it was one week. Doesn't <laughs> matter. Darkhold Alpha, number one, drops September 29th, 40 pages, 499, etc., etc. Moving on to the big event of Marvel Comics in the month of September. Well, arguably, anyway. One of them. Considering all else that's going on. We got here the death of Doctor Strange, number one of five. Now, MJ, are you worried that the death of Doctor Strange is going to get kind of lost in the shuffle of Inferno and Dark Age and all else that's going on in September? I certainly hope not. I mean, that is a lot of other stuff going on. But we've got Judd McKay writing with Lee Garbett on art. I love Lee Garbett's art. You, you made me feel sad about this book. Like, I'm now I'm worried people aren't going to see it. See, Marvel doesn't like to print on good cover stock, and they also like to flood the market with events, which means none of their events are special. Yeah. Isn't that the message that they're sending out when they send out five, four or five events per month? They lose their uniqueness, that's for sure. And the death of Doctor Strange of all events. But having so many new events, new number ones, does mean that we and everybody else is talking about them as a new release coming out. I guess that's true. You got me there. <laughs> the dark nature of this whole damn system. 
So that's a 40-page debut at $4.99. Drops September 22nd. This is looking like it's going to be a murder mystery. Who killed Stephen Strange? But that mystery is going to be solved because he has a movie coming out. Yeah, he's going to be back. And that last aforementioned death, she's going to be in that movie too. So neither of these characters are going to stay dead. It's uh, it's kind of sad to read Marvel sometimes. <sighs> like they just can't commit to anything, at least for a while. Yeah. At least Wolverine was dead for a couple years. Yeah. You know, they filled the void with a new Wolverine and it felt like a legacy character. It felt like things were changing. He came back because, of course, he was going to. But at least they gave him some time to be in the dirt. I mean, I have a feeling part of that was because they didn't have the movie rights for any of the X-Men. Yeah, that's definitely <laughs> it. So we've got an Eternal special here. This is interesting. Thanos rises. Now, didn't Thanos die in Infinity Wars or whatever? Yeah, speaking of characters that just can't stay dead, (laughs) we've got Karen Gillan teaming up with Dustin Weaver. This book's going to look good. Mm -hmm. Dustin Weaver's one of my personal favorite artists. This is the 32-page one-shot at $3.99, drops September 15th. MJ, answer the question, how is Thanos back? I don't know. I haven't been reading a lot of the cosmic books. Well, apparently he's popped back into the Eternals book proper because I've seen him on the cover a couple times. Mm -hmm. But anyway... Interesting book I wanted to point out, because I'll definitely check it out, if only for the Dustin Weaver art, but also Kieran Gillen, and also I want to know, how the hell did Thanos come back already? And it is a one-shot, so assumedly one can hop in on this without having read issues one through six of Eternals, maybe? That's right, that's right. So, MJ, are there any trades, collections, or other hubbub from Marvel in September that you want to talk about here? There's a good handful of them, and they are all advanced solicited. That's right, so take note, everybody, advanced solicit trades and collections going forward. Most of these are coming out in like October, November. That's right. First one, we've got Beta Ray Bill Argent Star Trade Paperback. This is written and drawn by Daniel Warren Johnson with colors by Mike Spicer. That's right. That's 120 pages at $15.99. Also, we have Black Widow by Kelly Thompson, Volume 2. I am the Black Widow, as if there was any doubt. <laughs> written by Kelly Thompson with art by Rafael De La Torre and Elena Casagrande with covers by Adam Hughes. Now, this is another book. That the interiors are just a beautiful thing to look upon. Elena mm-hmm. Casagrande's art is phenomenal. Her fight choreography is so much fun to watch. Collects Black Widow issues 6 through 10. That's 112 pages at $15.99. Drops October 20th. Next, we have Untold Tales of Spider-Man, the complete collection volume one trade yes. paperback. Untold Tales of Spider-Man, of course, was the 99-cent Spider-Man standalone series that Kurt Busiek wrote way back in the 90s. Yeah, this was Kurt Busiek just first cutting his teeth, right? He, nah, he'd been around for a while, but he was starting to do some serious Marvel stuff, and Marvel was like, okay, see what you can do there. And he created one of the best Spider-Man books, because at the time, we had the Clone Saga going on. This was a nice alternative <laughs> to, the, to the comics that were being published at the time. Kurt Busiek teamed with Paul Lee, Pat Alif, Ron Friends, and more. This is on sale November 3rd, 400 pages at 40 bucks. I will be buying this. Yeah, this collects 14 issues of Untold Tales of Spider-Man, plus 16 through 18 of Amazing Fantasy 1995. It saves me the hassle (laughs) of getting them in single issues, MJ. Yeah, no, I think it's great. All right, what's next? Next, and this is the last regular collection before we get to the epic collections. We have a new sort of compendium edition of Hawkeye by Fraction and Aha. And I want to point out that they are titling this Hawkeye by Fraction and Aha. So often they will title it series by writer and they won't mention the artist. It's true. I'm really proud of them for being like, nah, David Aha deserves top billing as well as Matt Fraction. I do kind of wish it also mentioned all of the other artists involved. 
I mean, David Aha definitely did like the majority of the issues, but like Annie Wu did at least six in there. It's true. And then uh, Javier Pulido, Steve Lieber, Jesse Ham, Francesco Francovilla. There was a lot of a lot of folks involved. It's true. This collects Hawkeye issues number one through 22, annual number one, and Young Avengers presents number six. So this is the entirety of that series. That's right. 552 pages at $44.99 drops November 3rd. And they are obviously putting this out to tie in with the TV series whenever it actually comes out. Obviously. And this has two covers. The DM direct market variant is going to have the David Aha cover, but the normal regular cover is going to be by Alex Ross, which initially I would say great. This is the cover that they use for that Alex Ross variant cover month that has Hawkeye in the, the classic purple-ass suit. The but, suit he doesn't wear in the series. Yeah, that's what I wanted to, to point out. It's a, he's wearing a suit on the cover that he's not wearing in any of the interior pages. A little short-sighted, perhaps. Maybe. I'm not anti-Alex Ross by any <laughs> respect, but yeah, that seems a little, little odd. So MJ, let's move into the new segment in our Solicits episodes. Very excited to talk about this. Epic Collections. New listeners to Casual Wednesdays probably don't know this, but MJ and I have recently got into Marvel's Epic Collections in a very big, bad way. I'm spending far too much money on them. But you're finding good deals on most of them, at least. I really am. And not only that, but I am kind of new to all this Marvel stuff. Not really, in some respects. Like, some characters like Spider-Man I've been reading practically my whole life. But I've started recently throwing myself at X-Men, throwing myself at the Avengers, reading all the stuff from, like, the 60s, 70s, 80s, and 90s that I just didn't read because I was a DC boy. Mm -hmm. And also, you weren't alive. Also that. Yeah. Yeah, you got a point there. (laughs) So I've been reading all these, mainlining them, and I'm just having a blast. Yeah. So without any further preamble, MJ, let's get into it. What Epic Collections are being released that you and I can possibly purchase? I think we should definitely purchase this first one. Amazing Spider-Man Epic Collection, The Death of Captain Stacy, trade paperback. I agree, MJ. This features work by Stan Lee and Roy Thomas, Gil huh. Kane, and John Romita Sr. with John Buscema. With a cover by John Romita Sr., this is on sale October 2021 and collects Amazing Spider-Man issues 86 to 104. 440 pages at 40 bucks. And if you are familiar with Epic Collections, you already know this, but if you're not, they publish them out of sequence. Yeah. So this is volume number six in the Amazing Spider-Man Epic Collections. It's true. It's really maddening because you don't know what you're going to get on a monthly basis. You just kind of have to cross your fingers and hope it's something that Mm -hmm. you want. Otherwise, it's the waiting game. That's part of why I like it, though. (laughs) You like the surprise? I like the surprise. We got another Amazing Spider-Man collection coming out. Life Theft, which teams David Michelini, J.M. DeMattis, Howard Mackey, Mike Lackey, Terry Cavanaugh, and more with Mark Bagley, Larry Alexander, Stephen Butler, Tom Lyle, Sal Buscema, Alex Saviak, and more with a cover by Mark Bagley. This collects Amazing Spider-Man number 381 to 393, Amazing Spider-Man Annual number 28, Spider-Man number 45, Spectacular Spider-Man number 211, Web of Spider-Man number 112, and Amazing Spider-Man Ashcan Edition. This is 496 pages at 40 bucks. Drops November 3rd. I would love to work at the Epic Collections wing of Marvel Comics. Sounds like a lot of fun, but it also sounds like it'd be really stressful. Look at all those books in there. Yeah. How do you know what goes in and what doesn't? And does that affect future collections? I have to know. (laughs) Also, this hopped ahead pretty far from that last ASM Epic Collection. It did. did. This one is volume 26. Also, we have Iron Man Epic Collection in the Hands of Evil. Volume number 20 in the Iron Man Epic Collections. Mm-hmm. I just got the War Machine Epic Collection oh. just today. But which volume is that? Uh, I think it's 18, actually. 
Written by Len Kaminsky, Scott Benson, Dan Abnett, and Andy Lanning. Penciled by Tom Morgan, Dave Chalstick, Fred Haynes, Gabriel Gecko, Jeff Sr., David Taylor, and more. This collects Iron Man number 310 to 318, War Machine number 8 through 10, Force Works, remember Force Works, <laughs> number 6 through 7, Iron Man Force Works Collector's Ooh. Preview, and Material from Marvel Comics Presents number 169 to 172, 496 pages at 40 bucks, drops November 10th. MJ, are there any other epic collections coming out anytime soon? Just one more. X-Men Epic Collection, iMagneto Trade Paperback. Now, this one is Volume 8 in the X-Men Epic Collection, so this one's still fairly early, but written by Chris Claremont with Joe Duffy and Bob Layton, penciled by Dave Cockrum and Michael Golden, with Brent Anderson, Paul Smith, Jim Sheridan, Bob McLeod, John Buscema, and George Perez. Now, this collects Uncanny X-Men numbers 144 through 153, X-Men Annual Number 5, Avengers Annual Number 10, Bizarre Adventures Number 27, and Material from Marvel Fanfare Numbers 1 through 4. Now, Avengers Annual in there, that is the debut of none other than Rogue. It's true. Yeah. This is 480 pages at 40 bucks. Drops November 17th. That is definitely one I'm gonna get. That's some super good shit in there. All right, MJ, now that the epic collections are out of the way, sadly... But not so sadly, because we are moving on to the lightning round of the solicits episode. Now, for new listeners to Casual Wednesdays, the lightning round is where we tackle all the independent publishers who have material coming out in the month of September. Or at least the ones that jumped out to us. Yes. And in this truncated version of our solicits episode, we're not going through as many as we normally would. So this lightning round comes with apologies to all the independent publishers we missed in September. But it is a true lightning round, so it, hey. <laughs> it is at that. Where do you want to begin, MJ? First, with Boom, we've got Maw, number one. I'm going to read some of the solicit text. Please do. What happens when one woman becomes the real monster society has always made her out to be? Dragged by her sister Wendy to a feminist retreat on the remote island of Angitia, Marion Angela Weber hopes to gain some perspective and empowerment that isn't at the bottom of a bottle. But everything is horribly derailed after an assault on their first night there. The violent encounter awakens something in Marion she never imagined, triggering warped mutations in her body and awakening a hunger she can't bring herself to name. When the townsfolk react with suspicion and violence, what unforgivable act will transform Marion into the very monster they've made her out to be? End quote. Ma is going to be written by Jude Ellison S. Doyle and illustrated by A.L. Kaplan. I'm not familiar with either of those people. Interesting stuff, but also interesting premise. MJ, good call bringing that in. And what was the release date on it? Ma... That's M-A-W, by the way. Number one drops September 15th. Moving on to Aftershock Comics, the aforementioned Chicken Devil. <laughs> Number one. This is pairing up Brian Bucciolato with Hayden Sherman. We love their art. Hayden Sherman is the tops. Also with Hassan Atsumain Elhal. Points to Aftershock for including the letterer in the solicits text. Yeah, yeah. So for those of you who don't know about Chicken Devil, <laughs> solicits text, go. All in caps. All in caps, All by the way. All in caps. Quote, Mitchell Moss is about as regular as it gets. He's married with two children, almost a chicken, <laughs> and co-owns a successful chain of Memphis Hot Children, Memphis Hot Chicken restaurants. Get it straight, Jones. It's not the life that screams hero vigilante until he discovers that his business partner is in bed with a mob and owes them $2 million. Unfortunately, Mitch is ill-equipped to be a badass. He's just a guy, a chicken guy, I added that part, who makes really good chicken. Can he protect his family from cold-blooded gangsters? Absolutely not. End quote. That's Chicken Devil, MJ. But you missed a tiny part of the end. But maybe the Chicken Devil can. Oh, that's right, because it was on the uh, other page. Yeah. I didn't scroll that far down. <laughs> Thank you for that, MJ. Chicken Devil drops in September. I'm very excited for it. I don't have a release date here. 
and that's probably because it's coming out October 6th for some reason. This is an advanced solicit from Aftershock? I guess. That is weird. I'm still excited for it, though. It's giving me real hot lunch special vibes and the fix vibes, too. You know what I'm talking about? Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. That's good company to be in, I think, just from first impressions alone. Chicken Devil! Look for it in October. I'm sure we'll bring it up again come October solicitations. Mm -hmm. What are you doing, Aftershock? (laughs) Moving on over to Ahoy. We have a quick announcement from Ahoy concerning their September solicitations that I wanted to talk about right here, if I may. Really? Says Ahoy on Twitter, quote, For reasons out of our control, second coming, only begotten son number four will now be on sale on September 1st. Issue number five will be on sale September 15th, end quote. Hmm. So people who are subscribed to second coming, only begotten son, and expecting issue number four to drop in August, coming out in September... But the good news is, is that you're getting two issues of it in September. And I think that's nothing to sneeze at. (laughs) Second Coming, Only Begotten Son, of course, pairs Jesus Christ with Ahoy's version of Superman. Yeah. It's written by Mark Russell. It's illustrated by Richard Pace. It's absolutely fantastic. You got to check it out. We also got a trade collection from Ahoy coming out in September that I wanted to bring up here. Wrong Earth, Night and Day, trade paperback written by Tom Pyre, art by Juan Castro. Covers by Jamal Eigel, who I believe co-created The Wrong Earth and definitely yeah. illustrated the first run of that book. Yeah. Solicit's text goes, quote, The vengeance-stealing dragonfly sticks it to the man. The acrobatic sooth dragonfly man works with the police. These two alternate versions of the same masked crime fighter meet face-to-face for the first time in the second volume of the smash hit The Wrong Earth. Will their impossible encounter result in a team-up or an all-out war? End quote. That's $17.99, drops September 8th. Interesting thing that they say second volume because there was the Dragonfly and Dragonfly Man series in between The Wrong Earth and The Wrong Earth Night and Day. Weird. It is weird. But that's ahoy for you, <laughs> a.k.a. my favorite publisher. <laughs> MJ, who's next in our lightning round? Well, we've got Vault Comics. All right. Last but not least. What do we got from Vault in September? Well, we've got a debut, Human Remains, which I think we already talked about. We did. We reported on it in the last episode of Casual Wednesdays. This is uniting Peter Milligan with Sally Cantorino, and this will drop September 22nd at 399. For further information, please refer to our previous episode so we can save some time recording mm-hmm. here. But we do have a trade collection in September from Vault that I wanted to talk about really quick before we moved on to the top five. Which one? The Autumnal Trade Paperback. Yeah, it's finally out in September. We've got Daniel Krause, Chris Sheehan teaming up for probably one of the best horror books that came out in 2021. Yeah. I'm calling it right here, right now. I'm even writing about it for a hot press thing I can't talk about at the moment. Anyway, this drops September 22nd, 1999. And this is all eight issues of the series, right? All eight of them. Cool. If you haven't read The Autumnal, if you were trade waiting, trade wait no more. September 22nd. Check it out. MJ, is there anything else you wanted to talk about for the September 2021 solicitations? I am good. What about you? I think that's it. That's another solicitous episode in the back, MJ. We did it. We gave you guys a couple of suggestions of the comics coming down the pike, in this case for September 2021. And now we want to know what you're excited to read. So tag us at Cashwitz Podcast on Twitter and let us know what you're pumped to check out. And be sure to head up your local comic book store and pre-order your books. Head over to Comic Shop Locator at ComicShopLocator.com if you need help locating the closest LCS to you. All right, MJ, I think it's time for the top five. So it is. All right, let's do it. All right, MJ, this week you've got the three, I've got the two, but before you start with your top five, I wanted to point out a trade collection that I'm very excited about, and I hope people check it out. 
The True Lives of the Fabulous Killjoys National Anthem. Gerard Way, Sean Simon, Leonardo Romero, Jordi Belair, and Nate Piecos from Dark Horse Comics. This is probably one of the most gorgeously illustrated superhero comics I've ever seen in my entire life. I know that I employ a lot of hyperbole here on Casual Wednesdays. But what? I know. I know. It's hard to believe. But believe me when I say this is one of the most sumptuous, gorgeous, and visually stunning superhero books. You got to see it to believe it. It's $24.99. It's a little pricey, but there's a lot of comic in here. It's a big book. Check it out. MJ, with that, what do you got for us? How do you want to start this week's top five? Well, my first pick is another hefty book. This one is a hardcover. I would have gotten a paperback if there was one, but oh well. This is Alone in Space, a collection from Tilly Walden. See, I can't give you too hard a time putting an expensive book on the top five because I just did it, mm-hmm. even though it's technically not a part of the top five. Anyway, anyway, MJ, tell us more about Alone in Space. Well, uh, you probably know Tilly Walden. She is an award-winning cartoonist. She's done a bunch of really awesome books, including On a Sunbeam and Are You Listening? This collects a whole bunch of her short comics, which I'm very excited about because some of them I haven't had a chance to read. Yeah. We've got The End of Summer, which is her first published comic. We've got I Love This Part, A City Inside, and What It's Like to Be Gay in an All-Girls Middle School. Does it include her Clementine story for Skybound X number one also out this week? No. Oh, okay. No. That that you can buy separately when it comes out. But this is a $32.95 hardcover, so it's expensive. 100% worth it from Avery Hill Publishing, Alone in Space. All right. Now, what is your first pick, Jared? I love that we were just talking about Ahoy. I get to talk about Ahoy again Oh, how delightful. That's right. We've got a new debut, Black's Myth, number one, play on words there, in true Ahoy fashion. And very confusing to understand what it actually is in that fashion. With that, we have Eric Palicki writing. We have Wendell Cavalcanti drawing. We have Liana Kangas doing the covers and Rob Steen on letters. I got solicited text for you people who aren't aware of Blacksmith really quick. Quote, meet Janie Strummer Jones, just an ordinary werewolf PI, trying to make it on the mean streets of LA. When the case of a lifetime falls into her lap, it's up to her and her charming gin assistant, Ben Slot, to figure out how many silver bullets have been used and just where do silver bullets come from anyway? End quote. It's all in black and white. It's a noir comic that has werewolves and all sorts of supernatural stuff going on. It reminded me a little bit of Black Magic, Greg Rucka, really? Nicholas Scott, but also it has a little bit of black crown flair in it, enough to make me wonder if Eric Palicki was planning on pitching it to Shelley Bond at one point when hmm. black crown was still a thing. Anyway, Blacksmith is out this week. It's because the character's named Strummer, after mm. Joe Strummer, you see. Mm-hmm. Blacksmith. Issue number one out this week from Ahoy. Check it out. Three ninety nine. MJ, what is next for you in this week's top five? Well, my next pick is a debut from Boom Box, just their kind of young adulty end of the of the company. Sophisticated young adulty. I would say so. Yeah. Especially since this is by Sass Millage. This is Mamo number one. Now Sass Millage does this whole thing, writing, drawing, lettering, coloring, etc. And the art is just beautiful. I'm going to read a little bit of solicit text for you. Quote, Orla O'Reilly, the youngest in a long line of hedge witches, finds herself pulled back to her hometown after the death of her grandmother, Mamo. Can Orla embrace her destiny in order to bridge the divide between humanity and the fairy world? End quote. Like I said, the art is the star here. It's a really great read either way, but oh man, this is just sumptuous visuals all over. Now, what's your last pick, Jared? My last pick this week in the penultimate choice for this week's top five, The Last House on the Lake, issue number two. Uh, Guys, we've all read Nice House on the Lake, issue number one, right? MJ? Uh, uh, You haven't read issue one yet? No. Oh my goodness. Has anyone spoiled it for you yet? No. Oh my God. Okay, so look. 
everybody, I won't spoil it here, but Nice House on the Lake issue number one is probably one of the best first issues I've read in a couple of years. It's got a lot of oomph to it. It definitely leaves your jaw on the fucking floor once it's done. And you don't expect it to either. I mean, you know you're going in for some shit when you're reading a James Tynan comic book here, but my God. Well, I mean, I'm planning on reading it. And I know that it has sold out like everywhere. So if anyone hasn't picked up their copy yet, you're in luck. Next week, the second printing of issue one comes out. Thank you for that, MJ. That's very helpful. So honestly, if you wanted to buy issue two this week and then pick up the second printing of number one next week, it's probably a good bet. So this much one's, better. This one's going to sell really quick. Yeah. With art by Alvaro Martinez Bueno, Jordi Belair on colors, and Anne World Design on letters. I know we say it a lot, MJ, but this is old school Vertigo stuff. Yeah. This is it. The Nice House on the Lake, issue number two. Check it out. Do not be left out in the cold on this one. This is going to be a hot book. Awesome stuff. MJ, close it out. What's the last pick for this week's top five? My last pick is another DC book. This is Wonder Girl number two. I love Joelle Jones's art so much. Like, you just open up the first the first dozen or so pages in here. They're just jaw-droppingly gorgeous. And it's partially because Jordi Belair is on colors. Yeah. Just doing her awesome Jordi, Jordi Belair. Jordi is crushing it. Yeah. By the way, nice house on the lake, Wonder Girl, national anthem. Oh my God! Is there anything Jordy can't do? It's almost like she super totally deserved that Eisner win a couple years ago. For and best maybe a couple conference. more to come. Hopefully, hopefully, hopefully. So Wonder Girl number two is written by Joelle Jones, has art by Joelle Jones, and like six pages of art by Adriana Mello. Colors by Jordi Belair, as mentioned, and letters by Clayton Cowles. Oh God, it's so good. I love this series so, so immensely. Pick up issue one, obviously, and go and pick up issue number two. All right. And with that, that closes out our top five most anticipated issues of the week. Every week, we field a question from one of you, our listeners. Hit us up. Info at doomarket.com, Cashweds Podcast on Twitter. This week, Devin Whitlock returns to us yet again via info at doomarket.com and says, The New Mutants was supposed to be a superhero horror movie, but wasn't great at either. But Logan was a superhero western and succeeded. Some of Catwoman's best stories are simple heist pieces, and I think those would make great adaptations. Are there any superhero genre mashups that you would like to see? Thank you, Devin. That's an awesome question. Yeah. Takes a little thinking to get around it, but it's true. A lot of superhero movies, they don't bother with genre conventions. They are a superhero movie first. They have typically the origin, the rising action, and then the climax, which is usually really boring where they fight a supervillain and then we rush towards the end credits. Mm -hmm. Those are pretty standard superhero movies. And Marvel's pretty much gotten that formula down to a science. Not to say they're not very good movies, but they're not very challenging. They're not challenging the form. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. You could tell that with Doctor Strange, they were maybe trying, but man, they didn't try very hard. They got close with the Guardians of the Galaxy movies because those are bonafide sci-fi movies. See, I don't think so at all. Those are oh. so much more action adventure, like more space opera in the vein of Star Wars than like hard sci-fi. The strict definition of sci-fi probably doesn't apply, but at least there's elements of it in the first movie. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. I mean, they had to establish all this stuff in one movie, and I thought that they succeeded for the most part, but you're right. It isn't that high-minded sci-fi stuff. I don't think Marvel really mixes well with that kind of sci-fi, though, that hard sci-fi. They got to have some of that gee whiz wonder and absurdism. But if the Marvel Cinematic Universe wasn't a thing, MJ, and we had auteurs like, say, oh, I don't know. Why, why did Zack Snyder just pop into my head? Oh, God. But directors that have a zest for exploring genre conventions, if they had access to these characters, 
What character would be paired with what genre to make what movie, do you think? Well, it's funny uh, that you mentioned science fiction because that was the first one that came to my mind. Of course. I would love to see, like you said, not hard sci-fi because that would probably turn off a whole lot of Marvel viewers. Sure, sure. <laughs> but pulling in some really good science-y conventions, I would appreciate seeing that in a Fantastic Four movie. Yes. I mean, they are superheroes to an extent, but they're explorers more than yes. anything else. Yeah. And they're exploring concepts that are just so gonzo bananas that it does take some sci-fi to navigate through it. Mm -hmm. I mean, you, you want that fiction to make it tangible for the viewer, but you also need that hard science to make it believable for these characters. Yeah, and it would work so well because having hard science in the hands of Reed Richards... Or all oh. of them, because assumedly we're going to make all of them be scientists in some sort of fashion. Except for Johnny. I don't know. I Except for he... Ben. Ben's no scientist. He's a pilot. They're still going to all have some kind of science background. How much I you want guess. to bet? But I got a science one for you, MJ, if you want to talk about hard sci-fi and a character that would probably benefit from it. Yeah. The Silver Surfer. Yes. An extension of the Fantastic Four. Yes. Yes. <laughs> but this is where it gets kind of tricky, because Norrin Rad is more elusive a character than Reed Richards, than Sue Storm, than Ben Grimm, etc., Norn Rad is a cosmic being that becomes almost a deity. A herald who serves a greater master, of course, who's probably even more elusive and abstract to the viewer's mind. But if you were to do a hard sci-fi take on like what the Silver Surfer means to the cosmos and vice versa, it would be probably boring, but it would <laughs> definitely be visually stunning and incredibly fascinating, I think. I don't think anyone will ever make that movie. This is why I don't make movies. I still want to see my sci-fi Fantastic Four. That's got to come first, okay? But let's explore some other genres here, MJ. Like Devin said at the top, Logan was technically a Western. It did function like a Western. A modern Western, to be fair, but it did have shades of Shane, which it actually had in the movie itself. And I think it worked incredibly well. I can think of a comic book that's coming out right now that has shades of a Western in it. Oh, yeah? What's that? Supergirl. <laughs> Oh, yeah, the Supergirl comic. That's <laughs> totally true grit, 100% yeah. true grit. Again, there's still like seven more issues. We don't know exactly if that's how they're going to go, like if that's going to be the whole damn book. What if each issue homages a different Western movie? I'd be totally down for that. <laughs> it's a little lazy, but I'd be down for it. See, I always thought that a good Superman movie should take place off Earth in outer space because we've never really done that before. Not in any medium outside of comic books anyway. Yeah. The animated series has done it a couple of times because the animated series is awesome. But a proper Western or a proper sci-fi Western, like a nice genre blend of sci-fi and Western for a Superman in space movie would mm -hmm. be awesome. You could do War World if you want. You can even introduce Darkseid, ooh, if you want to. But really, you could just have Superman being Superman in space. Yeah. And some of the best Superman stories take place out there. Not here, out there. I feel like if they ever do something like that, that would that's not going to be the first movie. That's going to be like the second or third in a series. Yeah. You know? And another great example here that Devin could have brought up is The Dark Knight, which is technically a crime saga. Oh, totally. Yeah. That just so happens to have Batman in it. Specifically a Michael Mann crime saga. Yes, exactly. Chris <laughs> Nolan was not bashful about his influences there. Man, The Dark Knight's an awesome movie. And that works for Batman incredibly well, but it's been done. It's kind of looking like Matt Reeves is doing more of a David Fincher 7 take with his Batman, especially with his version of the Riddler, mm -hmm. who's a little more violent than I thought he was going to be, but whatever. Excited for that movie. But what other genre could you apply to Batman, at least in terms of movies? I mean, we do Elseworlds books on this podcast, so you'd think that this would be old hat for us. Yeah, well, I mean, there's any of those to possibly do. You could lean into horror with Red Rain. Yeah, of course. A horror Batman movie would be awesome. 
like a scarecrow movie that's a horror movie that has Batman in it. Yeah. Like employ the shadows. Use the costume. Make the costume frightening and intimidating. Use the cape. Let it drape around the Batman. In the same way they could lean into some of the more noirish aspects. A straight up noir starring Batman would make me cry. Yeah. I don't think I'm capable. I don't think my heart could sustain me if such a thing were to exist. And luckily it never will. So, you know. Well, I think Devin mentioning the Catwoman like heist kind of stuff would also work really well with noir stuff. Yeah, you could make like an Italian job with Catwoman. I mean, when in Rome, that Tim Sale illustrated miniseries, I think that would make a really great movie. And you would, you could... You would need to put a little more meat on those bones. Yes, but you could involve the noir stuff and the heist stuff and it would just, oh, it would be great. Absolutely. Absolutely. My favorite genre is probably fantasy. It is. At this point. I was about to ask you, what superhero do you think would pair well with fantasy? Well, obviously Thor, but yeah. I feel like they tried to do that with a Thor the Dark Thor. Yes, they did. Yeah. And they it, definitely did. It didn't work out so well. I mean, you could tell well, by they the... they didn't commit. They didn't. <laughs> and they, they tried to, you know, bring in directors from Game of Thrones to really cement that. Yeah. But it, it, didn't, uh, it didn't come out the way they wanted. Because you can't have a hard fantasy Thor movie without having Darcy's intern in the same <laughs> space. You have to compromise some of the genre space for both. I find it really fascinating that Loki became a low-key Doctor Who ripoff. That was a plot twist I did not see coming. It makes sense. It's fine. I don't look with a very critical eye on these things because they're not going to be fantastic, wonderful, life-changing works of art. They're going to be fun, and it's fine. I guess that's true. <laughs> I do wish that every once in a while we could aspire to the great work of art, like the movie that makes people cry or blow their minds out. Now, uh, I haven't seen Black Widow yet. We're going to be seeing it on Thursday. That's right. We'll be talking about Black Widow in next week's podcast. Yeah. Uh, but that, I, it's probably not going to, but that is a great opportunity to do like a really fun superhero spy movie. I think it'll be more superhero than spy, but I think there will be spy elements in there because it's going to introduce the Red Room at last mm -hmm, to the mm -hmm. Black Widow lore. So, you know, little, little bits of it is I'll, I'll be satisfied with it. My hopes aren't super high. And I get to look at Florence Pugh and Rachel Weisz for a couple hours. That's great. You know what genre I would like to see uh, applied to a Spider-Man movie? What? A superhero <laughs> genre. Instead of the comedies that we've been getting for the last five, six years. I would simply like a Spider-Man movie and not an Iron Man Redux movie. Yeah, I want a Spider-Man movie that's a Spider-Man movie, not a comedy that features a bunch of aliens doing improv. Because that's what these actors seem like. They're just doing this so? really weird, disjointed dialogue. It's not how people interact with each other. And it, it frightens me that people accept it at face value. Far From Home and Homecoming. I was not a fan of the second Spider-Man movie, but the first one was I. Oof. Yeah, the first one's okay, I suppose. But I want like a all-the-way Spider-Man movie beholden to no Iron Men or Captain America's or Nick Fury's or any Marvel shit. Leave Spider-Man in his own little area for a little while. And other than that, because that stuff's really important, but as an aside... Give Marissa Tomei something to do other than just be gawped at by boys. It's so bad in Far From Home. Like, we know Marissa Tomei's hot. We don't need to have that be her entire character. You remember the scene where she's on the phone with Peter when he's in Europe and she's uh -huh. at the place that she works at that I'm not clear on? Uh -huh. I guess it's like Feast. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And Happy's there and he's eating lunch. I hope that wasn't a homeless person's lunch, by the way, Happy. <laughs> and Aunt May comes over and gives him the phone and there's that camera shot of her ass. It's a still shot. It's on a <sighs> tripod and it's held there as her ass is bent over the desk giving Happy the phone. People are like, oh, Marvel movies are so progressive. Oh, they still got a long ways to go yet, I'm afraid. I'm aware, Jared. Yeah. I'm very aware. So make a superhero movie out of Spider-Man. That'll be nice for a change of pace, god mm -hmm. damn it. Thanks for the question, Devin. 
We really appreciate it. If you have a question that you'd like us to answer, we do tend to ramble. Hit us up. Info at doomrocket.com. Cashweds podcast on Twitter. That's right, MJ. Next week, we're going to be talking a lot about Black Widow. Good. I mean, hopefully good. Yeah. I've already <laughs> read some reviews, so I'm trying not to deflate too much on this, this whole enterprise. I haven't read any reviews, but like I said, I am hopeful while also not expecting too much. So I think it'll be fine. I have a prediction for the ending of Black Widow. It will end with MJ going, Wahoo, Florence Pugh. <laughs> That's it. That's all the time we have for this week's Casual Wednesdays. Need more of this sweet little podcast in your life? Check out our episode archive via any good podcatcher or check us out over at DoomRocket.com. Rate, follow, subscribe, whatever you want to do, or tell us how we're doing with a review on Apple Podcasts, please. New episodes every single week. And while you're at it, look us up on Twitter at Casuals Podcast. I'm at Jared Jones underscore. MJ, where can they find you? At Molly Jane underscore K. So until the day Warner Brothers finally makes that soft porn of Batman and Catwoman, <laughs> I remain Jared. That's MJ. Jay, and from all of us here at DoomRocket.com, have a great new comic book day. Uh, did I go too far? I mean, that's probably already on the internet. Oh, no. <laughs>